Welcome to the Coast Life Church Podcast. For more videos, messages, and content, be sure to subscribe to our channels on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for a great way to stay connected throughout the week. Tune in as Pastor Jason brings this week's message from our series, You Asked For It. And this weekend, I want to wrap up our series. We've been in a series called You Asked For It, which was based on a survey we did in our church and allowed you guys to pick uh, the four top topics that you wanted us, that was a cool phrase, top topics, uh, that you wanted us to speak on. And so this weekend is one of the ones that you requested. And the topic this weekend is the Holy Spirit. You guys asked us to preach a message on the Holy Spirit. And so I want to preach a a message this weekend called Water in the Wilderness. Water in the Wilderness. And I'm going to come back to it. I'm going to get there, I promise. But I'm going to go on a little journey before I get to the phrase water in the wilderness. So hang with me for just a little bit. How many of you know that we live in a barren world? Like it's, it's dry out there. If you're, if you're looking for grace, it's really hard to find grace in our culture. It's amazing to me how we live in a guilty until proven innocent culture. Like you're guilty. We don't know what, but we're going to find it. Like you, you, There's something wrong with you. We're going to figure out just crazy how accusations fly, especially with so much information that we have and the ease of, of, of transmitting information accusations fly. Uh, there's just a, it's hard to find hope in the world. Honestly, it's hard to find grace. It's hard to find mercy. It's hard to find those things. And so I just want to encourage somebody. Number one is be careful what you post on social media. If you're a teenager in the room, listen to me. One of these days you're going to be up for a job. (laughs) So be careful what you post now because it may come back to haunt you later. And uh, I just sometimes just sit around and thank, thank God, thank God that there was not social media when I was a teenager. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like I should apologize for the things I would have posted. Like, I'm, I'm so sorry. So sorry. There wasn't cameras in everybody's pockets taking photographic evidence of all of the stuff that we got into and posting it to be memorialized forever on this thing called the internets. It, it's, it's crazy. And it's, it's a barren world. Harsh judgment. Hard to find sometimes an oasis. And that's, what, that's my prayer for our church, for Coast Life Church, is that this would be an oasis. That this would be a place where people can come and in the old days, we referred to a, a church, we call it the auditorium now. Uh, it makes a lot more sense in our culture to call it an auditorium. But in the old days, we referred to a church as a sanctuary. And it, it just means, that just means a shelter. And I know we call it an auditorium, but I pray when you walk in these doors that this is a sanctuary for your soul and that maybe you came in beat up or you came in thirsty or you came in longing for something or you came in just judged. And I just want to tell you, we don't care what you posted when you were young and foolish. We don't care what you posted when you were old and foolish. We don't care about your background. We just know that there's grace here, that there's life here, that there's hope here. And if there's anything here, it's not because of the gifts and the talents of a few people. If there's life here, it's because the Holy Spirit is here and there's energy and there's power and there's presence of God working in this room. And I'm passionate about it. 
because I don't, I don't, some people get worried when our church gets a little too loud and rowdy. I actually get a little worried when our church gets a little too quiet because I think the world is too dead to have dead church. I think we need to be a city on a hill shining bright. And I think this ought to be the loudest, most joy filled, most passionate, most energetic, like crazy, like out of my mind. Can't believe I get to do this. Can't believe I have eternal life. Can't believe that I've got all of the blessings of heaven available to me. That I can believe for miracles and see them happen. That the best is yet to come. That God's going to do exceedingly and abundantly above what I could ask, think, or imagine. It's not entered into the mind of man. The things that God has in store for his people. And so if we believe that, if we believe that a grave is empty in the Middle East and that the throne of heaven is populated, then we cannot be silent. We cannot be dead. We cannot be lethargical. We can't be apathetic. There should just be a life and a passion and an energy that flows through the house of God because it may be popular to just be vindictive and judgmental, but when you walk in here, grace is alive, hope is alive, faith is alive, and God's goodness is real in this place today. And if nothing else, I pray you get a drink from the waters of heaven today in this room. So if you're looking for somber church, Sorry to disappoint you. I, I get excited. I spit four or five rows deep. These people all get, those are little drops of anointing just falling on their life. Blessings. Paul had a strategy when he would go to, and he writes it specifically to the church at Corinth. And this was his strategy. Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 4 through 5. Because how many of you know we need the Holy Spirit? We need the Holy Spirit. Paul said in my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in, and I want you to notice this, in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. That was Paul's strategy. His strategy wasn't to come and impress people with how intellectual he was. Paul was, by the way, was a very brilliant man. Like, but he would tone it down because what he didn't want is he didn't want people to have their, their faith rest on information. He didn't want them to just have this knowledge-based thing. He wanted them to experience the reality of a living God. How many of you know that our God is alive? Like he's a living God. Like the, the, the living God of the universe wants to come into this place today and engage your heart and engage your life. And he said, I didn't want people just to get some theological terms. And that's, that's us at Coast Life Church. I never wanted people to come and just get three points and then just leave and go back to life the same. I just really believe that one moment in the presence of God and the Holy Spirit could do more for you than, a, than 20 books could ever do in your life, that there is incredible power in God. And he uses the word power, which just means, it's the word dunamis. I, I've, my dad taught, my dad's in this service today, taught me this years and years and years ago. Dunamis is where we get the word dynamite, explosive power. And, and it, it has two applications. One is it's the power Y'all are going to appreciate this. The power to do miracles. To see miracles. The second is just energy. Energy. In other words, 
when I've come to the end of my strength, that's when the Holy Spirit energy kicks in to take me further than I could go by myself. And there's, a, there's a phrase in the Bible. God, this is Old Testament, old school language, so forgive me. Uh, I, I still look young and sexy, but I'm an old soul. Uh, the, the, the phrase in the Bible was the arm of the flesh. The arm of the flesh. And that's when you're trying to do things in your might, in your strength, in your own energy. And Paul said, I didn't want there to be information because here's the, here's, the, here's the possibility and here's where a lot of people live is we have information, but information doesn't necessarily lead to transformation. It just takes us to this place where we have all of this information, but there's no transformation. Because the Holy Spirit is God's ability, God's power, God's strength, God's activity moving in my life. And it's good to learn about God. Like, it's great. We need to learn about God. But, like, you, we could know all about oxygen. Like, I know everything about oxygen. I know, I know about uh, photosynthesis, and I know uh, about carbon dioxide, and I know how light and plants and oxygen and how the body processes it comes into the lungs. Like, that's great. But at some point, it's like, hey, dude, you just need to take a breath. Like, I'm so thankful that you know all about oxygen, but you're turning blue and your eyes are bulging and you're about to die. Why don't you just take a breath of the oxygen? Because it doesn't do you any good to be able to explain oxygen if you can't get oxygen. And what happens in Christianity is sometimes we can explain all of the Greek and we can explain all about propitiation and sanctification and righteousness and all of that stuff. Listen, it's great to know all about that stuff, but it does us no good to know about it and not experience it for ourselves. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit is God doesn't want you just to have information. God wants you to have a power that can transform your life to see you go exceedingly and abundantly above what you could ask, think, or imagine to see the power of God come and work in your life because it's incredible to see what happens when God's people lean into the power of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we learn about God and that's a, that's a, that's a necessity because how can you experience something when you don't know anything about it and wisdom helps us navigate things and get more things out of stuff and avoid pain in our life because we use wisdom so we need to have knowledge and we need to have wisdom but all of that stuff is useless if we don't have the God of the wisdom and the knowledge because I don't need to know the Greek word for grace I need to experience grace in my life that's what I need and it's it's dangerous it's dangerous to have church without the Holy Spirit. It's dangerous. I think sometimes we, we think that like the Holy Spirit is like, you know, you got God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit is the crazy uncle. Like they're all three sharing an apartment in heaven, you know, like roomies. Like the, it's all God. It's dangerous to have a church without the Holy Spirit because it's the power the energy of God working in our midst. And Paul said that in the last days there would be, there would be this mentality of religion but no Holy Spirit power. He wrote to Timothy and he said, 2 Timothy 3 and 1, he said, in, in the last days, perilous times will come. The last days are the days between when Jesus ascended and when Jesus returns. He said, 
there will be perilous times. And if you ever want to get depressed, just go read the list of what Paul wrote to Timothy right after he says those words. And, but he goes down, and I don't want to read the whole thing. I want to read verse 5. He said, but understand this. In the last days, there will be, uh, come times of difficulty. And verse 5 says, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Having a form of religion, but denying the power of the religion. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Paul isn't being mean towards women. He's writing to a specific circumstance where these guys who, had, who were manipulating religion would go into uh, areas where women were uneducated because they weren't able to have an education. And the word is vulnerable. And they were taking advantage of vulnerable women and manipulating them. And so he's writing to Timothy about this. And he says, they're burdened by sins and led astray by various passions. But I want you to notice this, always learning and never able to arrive at the knowledge of the truth. Filling up information, but never getting to the place where there's transformation. Because the Bible says you shall know the truth, and it's the truth that will really set you free. No freedom, just more bondage. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith, but they will not get very far. For their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. They won't get very far. So I, want, I want to just let you in on a little secret. You ready for this? The Holy Spirit is the power to move forward in your life. That's the power to move forward. And there's, there's a problem when we sound religious, but we don't really have any power to change. When we sound religious, but we just leave people stuck in the place where they, where they never should have stayed. And what happens in our life is, is we learn about God and we want to make some changes. And there's people who genuinely love God and, and want to change. But what happens is we, we, we try to do it in our strength. Like, I'm going to get better. I'm going to get past this. And we end, up, we end up just walking in circles. Like, I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I'm going to do better. I can't fight my emotions anymore. I can't fight my desires anymore. And so I circle back around to the same place that I started. And I just get stuck in this vicious cycle of trying to do it in the arm of the flesh and trying to do it in my strength. And I can't move forward. And what you need to understand is what God wants to do in your life isn't going to come because of your strength. What God wants to do in your life is when the power of the Holy Spirit touches your life and enables you to break the cycle of your life and go further than you ever could have imagined because that's the power and the energy that God wants to do. It's not to just try to give you something that can't help you. It's to give something that transforms your desires and who you are and changes you from the inside out. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so Paul mentions two people. This is amazing because we didn't know their name until Paul mentions them. Their names are Janus and Jambres. And Paul is referencing uh, when God spoke to Moses and said, go and set my people free. Go and set, go and set my people free. And God gave Moses, uh, the Holy Spirit, by the way, was present in the Old Testament. Uh, God gave Moses the ability to do miracles. The, the power to see miracles. And one of the miracles that God gave him was that he would be able to take his staff, throw it down on the ground, and the staff would turn into a serpent. I don't want to see that miracle. I'm just going to be honest with you. We can leave that one in the Old Testament. It would turn into a serpent. But when Moses went to stand before Pharaoh and say, let my people go, 
just showing that he meant business. Aaron had, had Moses' rod, and Aaron threw down the, the rod, and it turned into a serpent. But Pharaoh called out his magicians, and we didn't know their name in the book of Exodus, but Paul names and shames them. Come on, somebody. He doxes them. He says, this is, this is who they were. They were Janus and Jambres were the leaders. They came out, and they mimicked what Moses did. And this is what happens when we get into religion. You ready for this? Is we try to produce God results from human effort. But it doesn't take you anywhere because the spirit of that is control and to maintain where we are without having to surrender to who God is. But the real thing always shows up because the Bible says that Aaron's serpent swallowed up all of the other serpents because at the end of the day, God's power is going to triumph over every other power of the world. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's Janus and Jambres who, who were standing in this place and they tried to produce the same results through human ability. And it's, it's, it doesn't work. Christianity without the Holy Spirit is like decaffeinated coffee. It's useless, it's powerless, and it's ungodly. And it's the power of the Holy Spirit that brings change into your life. And the problem is we treat the Holy Spirit like it's an accessory. The Holy Spirit isn't an accessory. Jesus said it this way, Luke 11, 11 through 13. He said, what father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who will ask him? And Jesus is being absurd here for the, for the sake of humor. Like you wouldn't, if your, your, your son asked for a fish, you wouldn't give him a, a serpent. Play, that would be a really rotten trick to play. Ask for an egg, give them a scorpion, something dangerous that's going to harm them. And I want you to notice that Jesus says fish and eggs because the staples of their diet in those days would have revolved around those two things, fish and eggs. In other words, Jesus said, your child isn't asking you for a toy. Your child isn't asking for an accessory. Your child isn't asking for ice cream at the end of the meal. They're not asking for cake. They're asking for the staple of life. And if they're asking for the staple of life, you're going to give them exactly what they need because you're, even though you're not as good of a father as our God is, you're still going to meet their needs. And Jesus said this. He said, I'm going to give you the best gift that I can give my children, and that's the Holy Spirit. And it's not dessert. It's the whole meal, and it's not an accessory. The whole Holy Spirit is the entire wardrobe. It's everything that we are and everything that we have. And without the Holy Spirit, we have nothing. There is nothing in this church that can help you if we don't have the Holy Spirit. And our prayer is that in every song, in every prayer, in every message, in every huddle, in every small group, that the Holy Spirit is present, moving in our midst, because it's not something that you can add on. It's everything that we are, and we want everything that the Holy Spirit brings our way because we are hungry and desperate for God, because it's not an add-on. 
on. It's the power that we can have to move us forward. That's why in Acts chapter 8, Samaria received the word of God. They received it. They received the word of God. They were all baptized. And in our culture today, we would just go ahead and start a church because all of those people received the word of God and they were all baptized, but they would not move forward because as yet the Holy Spirit hadn't fallen on them. So they called in the big dogs, y'all. They called in Peter and John to come in and lay hands on them. And then when the Holy Spirit fell, they said, now we can go do what God has called us to do and we can transform a city because we have the power of the Holy Spirit. It's God's power working in our lives that enables us not to work out of our strength, which isn't going to help anybody. It's to be able to step into that place where God's spirit comes in and empowers us to move life forward and see God transform people's hearts and lives. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not an accessory. It's everything that we are. And it's a necessity in our life that we be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And it's this, it's this moment that Janice and Jambres, that Paul references them, that they're, they're preventing something from happening. Because there's, there's three significant days that they're preventing. Because God is wanting to set people free. He's wanting to take them out of Egypt. And whenever you read about Egypt, it's obviously slavery, but it's a type of sin. It's a type of our past, a type of our brokenness. God's wanting to take them out, take them into a place of his promise and his fullness, a promised land, a place of provision, a place of health. Janice and Jambres are trying to do human effort to produce God results that doesn't take people out of Egypt, it leaves them in Egypt. And there were three days and three moments, and by the way, there's three significant moments for every person in this room. Number one is this, is the Passover that God was going to do the ten plagues, that he was going to show his power, he was going to show his strength, and on the tenth day, God was going to come in and he was going to forever put to death the slavery that held them. But the, the, the process was this, was that you've got, to, you've got to take a lamb, you've got to sacrifice the lamb, and you've got to put the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of your home, over the sides of your home, over the doorway of your home. You've got to apply the blood of the lamb. And in that moment, when God comes to visit, you're going to find out that you've got all the grace you need. You've got salvation there. That mercy is going to meet you in that moment. And in that moment, freedom is coming into your life in Jesus' name. And that was the Passover. That was what Janice and Jambres were trying to prevent by producing human results to try to make human effort to try to produce God results. And they, they were trying to prevent it. And here's what I want to tell you, that there's a significant moment that happens in every believer's life, every person's life, it should happen. And that is when we take the moment and we apply what the blood of the lamb is to our life and we apply it to our life. And I want to give you some good news this morning is you don't need, to God, you don't need God to do anything for you right now because Jesus has already done it all. He's already paid it all. 2,000 years ago, he paid the price. 2,000 years ago, he shed the blood. 2,000 years ago, precious blood poured out of his body. It dripped down a rugged cross and it landed on a hill called Mount Calvary and Jesus paid the full price that all the grace you need, all the mercy you need, all the hope you need is available. All you have to do today is by faith apply the blood of the lamb to your life and you'll find that there's grace for you, there's hope for you, that salvation is alive and well and it's visiting this place and it's a significant moment in the life of a person when they take the blood of the lamb and they apply it to the door of their life. Put it on their heart. Significant moment. God was leading them to. And the second day was they were free. They plundered Egypt on the way out. 
They were moving forward. But God strategically brought them to a place where they were going to have to move forward with him and not their past. They came to the Red Sea. Mountains on either side of them, the Red Sea ahead of them, and their past was still trying to get to them. Pharaoh was trying to take them back into bondage. Pharaoh was trying to take them back to Egypt because they had been freed from Egypt, but Egypt had not been freed from them. They'd been taken out of Egypt, but Egypt was still trying to claw them back. And so God said this, I want you to see me, what I can do. And he told Moses to raise the rod of God. That's what it's called. Over the Red Sea, God begins to move. The waters part by the breath of God. The waters part. And two to three million people walk through, not around it, not on top of it, walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. Pharaoh and his army see them go across. So he tries to come through it, but he can't go through the waters because the waters collapse on him and it's and they and his their past is forever buried and here's the second most second significant day in the life of a believer it's when you one apply the blood of the lamb to your heart the second day is when you decide I'm not going back I'm going to leave the past in the past and I'm going forward in Christ and that's your day of baptism that's the day that you bury the sin you bury the shame you bury the guilt you bury the remorse you bury where you've been and you cut ties with your past and you boldly make a declaration that my past is going to stay in my past and I'm not going back there but I'm going to go through the waters of baptism and everything I've done wrong and everything that's tried to control me and everything that's going to try to hold me it's going to stay buried in the waters of baptism and when I come out on the other side I'm never going back again because I'm going forward with Jesus it's a significant day they get on the other side of the Red Sea Exodus 15 is, the, is this incredible song where they sing and play tambourines. Um, don't play tambourines at Coast Life Church. We will tase you. Exodus, Exodus 16. Exodus 16. Now they're out of Egypt. They're, they're slavery. Their slavery is broken. They are no longer slaves to Egypt. Their past is buried. Now they have to navigate the wilderness. They have to navigate in this place of barrenness. And they, they have to make a decision. And they, they, they get caught in this. They have to make a decision of how am I going to find a source in the wilderness. Because slavery was bad. Slavery was killing me. Slavery was holding me in bondage. But I had a source there. What happens in the life of a believer? Watch this. We get out of Egypt. We go through the waters of baptism. And now we don't have our source anymore. Because I used to go to a substance to find joy. And I used to go to a, a, a relationship, a toxic relationship to find love and acceptance. And I used to have my identity built around something that it wasn't healthy and it was controlling me and it was leaving me in bondage and I wasn't free, but it was a source in my life. And what happens is we get out. Now we have to learn how to navigate in a barren world without the things that we used to have. And so now they don't have Egypt anymore to provide for them and they don't know where to go. So they don't have water in the wilderness. I told you I'd get there eventually. They don't have water in the wilderness. And so they begin to look to Moses and complain to 
Moses. At least we had water in the wilderness. At least we had water in Egypt. Yeah, we were in bondage and yeah, we were in slavery and yeah, we weren't in the place that God had for us, but at least I had a relationship and at least I had a way to have joy and at least I had some substance that would maybe give me a moment of peace and at least I had that and they start longing and they start complaining to Moses and Moses is like, God, I don't know what to do for these people because I can't give them water and God steps in and says, I want to show you a rock in the wilderness and I want to show you something. If you'll go out and you'll hit that rock with the rod of God, then water's going to flow and two to three million people are going to get all the water they need in their lives and be saturated. And here's what I want to tell you. Here's the mistake they made is they were looking to Moses to provide them water and Moses couldn't provide them water. And sometimes people come to our church like, hey, Jason, give me water. Let, give, give me a message that's going to feed me spiritually. Give, and I, I don't mean to disappoint you, but I don't have any water to give you. I can't give you water, but I do have some good news. I do know where the rock is in the wilderness that can satisfy the thirst of your soul, that what it is that you need, that there is water in the wilderness. And I, I, I don't have it, but I do know where it is and I do know who he is because Paul clarified it, that that rock was Christ and that when that rock was stricken, it was symbolic of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and that Jesus knew that if he was crucified, he would die. And if he died, he would be resurrected. And when he was resurrected, he knew water was going to flow from heaven, that whatever you need today, there is something for your soul that you can receive because it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so here's, here's, here's where the water is. You ready for this? From this moment, Moses striking the rock, water miraculously pouring out in the wilderness. From this moment, there becomes a tradition around the Feast of Tabernacles that they would, they would memorialize this moment. And they, would, they would go and they would dip up. They would have a gold pit, pitcher. It was beautiful, made out of gold. They would dip it up, a scoop of water out of a pool, and they would carry it. And it was the most festive celebration of all of the Jewish festivals. This one was horns. This one was wild. This one was party. It, it was an, an enormous celebration. And it would crescendo for seven days. For seven days, they would walk that water up and they would pour it out in the tabernacle and they would remember the moment that Moses struck the rock and they would memorialize that moment for seven days. But Jesus, who wasn't supposed to be there, snuck to the festival and he's watching this for seven days. And on the seventh day, on the greatest day of the feast, they're shouting and they're celebrating and it's a gold picture and it's beautiful and it's tradition and they're pouring it out. But the problem is they're pouring the water out but everybody's going home thirsty and nobody's having their needs met and it's bothering Jesus so in John 7 Jesus does this on the last day of the feast of tabernacles the great day the biggest celebration Jesus stood up and cried out if anyone thirsts let him come to me and drink whoever believes in me as the scripture has said out of his heart will flow rivers of living water that what you're thirsty for is in a tabernacle and it's not a gold pit pouring out some water as a memorial of what God did thousands of years ago. What you're looking for is standing in your midst. And if anyone, and I want to tell you anyone, you don't have to have money to buy this. You don't have to be good enough to earn this. You don't have to do anything to deserve this, that this is just an anyone that needs it. Absolute anyone can have it because the only prerequisite that you need is that you're thirsty for something more than what the world can satisfy you with. Something more than what this world can provide you. If anyone thirsts, Jesus said, let him come 
to me and out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Isaiah 55 said, you don't need money to buy this. And why are you spending money on bread that doesn't satisfy? And why are you spending money on water that'll never quench your thirst? And why are you doing that? You don't need money. You can come to the well of salvation and draw freely out of Jesus Christ. And if any man is thirsty, Jesus said this, I'm not going to just give you a drink. I'm going to give you a well and you're going to have water in the wilderness and you're not going to need to look to social media to provide you affirmation because I'm going to give you a different well to drink from. And you're not going to need another relationship to provide something in your life because I'm going to give you the power to be affirmed and loved in who you are. And even in the wilderness that starved for love and affection, I'm going to give you a well and you're not just going to get your thirst satisfied, but John 4, he said, if you drink of this well, you'll never thirst again. You'll never have to be thirsty again in the day of your life because I may not have water, but I know where the water is. And there is water in the wilderness. There is something for your soul. But you don't have to drink from those wells anymore. You don't have to go back to Egypt and you don't have to keep walking around the cycle of trying to break the addiction and trying to break the structure and trying to break all of that stuff off of your life. That there is power in your life that says, I don't need another relationship. I don't need social media affirmation. I don't need another person to affirm me. I don't need love from another individual. I don't need this to sustain me. I don't need that to satisfy me. I found the well in the wilderness. I found water in the wilderness. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that I can have joy when there's no joy to be found. That I can have peace when there's no peace to be found because the world didn't give it and the world can't take it away from me because my source doesn't come from my effort and my source doesn't come from the barrenness of this world. My source is a well. Come on, somebody that will never run dry. It's the well of life. John, John clarified, John, just stand with me. John clarified. He said Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit that was not yet poured out because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And that's two meanings. One is Jesus had not ascended. And here's the Holy Spirit. You ready for this? How many of you would love to be best friends with Jesus? Jesus, when he was physically on the earth, only had 12 close friends. That's all he could do life with. Tried to serve as many people as he could, but he could only have 12 close best friends. So he said, it's good if I go away. Jesus, why is it good if you go away? Because in this form, I can only be best friends with 12 people, but I'm gonna come back in a different form and I'm gonna be best friends with everybody. That's the Holy Spirit. Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, wants to be your best friend. Wants to walk through life with you. Wants to speak to you, the living God of the universe. Wants to speak into your heart and life. Wants to give you energy and power to transform you from the inside out. Many of you are struggling. You have the, you have the form, but you just need the power. And I wanna walk you through three significant moments. I'm gonna do this quickly. First of all, is maybe there's someone in the room today that you've never 
just received and applied what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer, invited Jesus into your heart. That's, you know what that is? That's painting, that's painting the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of your life. Saying when the judgment of God comes, I don't have to worry about it. It's going to pass over my life. I'm going in with God's grace and God's mercy and God's goodness. The grace is coming to my house. Salvation is coming to my house. Maybe you've never prayed a prayer just to, Jesus has already paid it all. All you got to do is just apply it. Right now, all across this room, this is a significant day in someone's life. Because this is the day that you take the blood of a spotless lamb that was sacrificed so selflessly for us 2,000 years ago. And you apply it to your heart. Come on, all across this room, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And this is someone's moment just to apply it. Coastline family, would you just repeat this prayer? And if this is your moment, I want you to say, I'm going to give you the words, but I want you to pray this from your heart. Just say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. I receive you now. Forgive me of my past. Wash away my sins. Make me whole. Make me new. Clean my life. I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. You are my leader and you are my Lord and I'll never be the same again. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Thank you for being with us on the podcast today. And a great big thank you to all of those who financially support the ministry of Coast Life Church. Your generosity is helping us and resourcing us to bring God's word into people's hearts and lives. And if you've never given and would like to, you can go to mycoastlifechurch.com forward slash give. And just know that you're resourcing and equipping us to bring the encouragement of God's word into people's lives. Another way that you can make a difference is by simply hitting the subscribe button. Just know that means so much to us to know that you're leaning in to the Word of God. And a great big thing that you can do is hit the share button. Let other people know that there is encouragement and God's Word is there to resource them because we're here just to lead people into abundant life in Christ so they can experience life on top of life on top of life. God bless you.